Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, I want to welcome everyone here. We're glad to see you. It's always a privilege uh, for me whenever I can be in this space and preach live uh, on this campus. I'm so grateful for all that God is doing, uh, even in the midst of this unique and weird time, uh, all that God is doing in this campus and using this campus for his glory and for his purposes. And so it's always such an honor uh, to be with you guys. I want to make sure that everybody knows that uh, following the service uh, today, Uh, I am going to do like a brief informational gathering uh, over in the fellowship hall. We're going to try to go in there. We're going to try to social distance. We're going to try to uh, be together in that space so we can allow our our Espanol congregation to worship in here. But uh, there are just a few updates that I want to provide to our church family and to always make myself available to answer any questions. So I hope that you can stick around for a little bit. Again, that'll be right uh, after the service uh, over in the fellowship hall. Hey, so if you can, grab your, uh, your Community of Hope app. We're using that in these days uh, as our worship folder. And uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, you're going to grab those. We're going to use those this morning. We're in week five, I think, so we have a month down on our series, uh, Get Your Life Back. And we're having some honest conversations uh, in these days about the development of our soul. And uh, we're using sort of as a guidepost, sort of as a rudder, uh, in the series, uh, a fascinating statement that our Lord Jesus made to uh, the disciples and to those who are listening, uh, it recorded in Matthew, the tax collector's gospel. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, we're going to put it up on the screen. And I, I shared out West, uh, we're going to read it out loud every, every time uh, we're together on the weekend. So I'm going to have us read this one out loud, and I know you're all muffled up, so... You know, we'll just, it'll sound weird, but we're going to do it. Let's read it. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Ready? Go. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so we're sort of using this series, if you will, to go at this phrase, what does it mean to find in Jesus rest for our souls? And we're learning in this series that Jesus, in fact, uh, had a lot to say uh, about our souls, and this is one of those great statements. And what we're trying to do in this series is what we're hoping to do is to push some of these biblical ideas just past interesting sayings that we may put on a coffee mug or on the back of a shirt. But we're actually considering, you know, what was Jesus driving at when he offered this promise and he offered this statement to the disciples? What was the the deeper meaning of that and what is its importance for us right now, especially as we think about the development of our souls? Again, Jesus had a lot to say about it. Uh, Mark's gospel records Jesus saying something like this, what does it profit a man Or we might say, what does it profit a woman to gain the whole world and yet to lose their soul in the process? And so what we're trying to do right now, what we're aiming at right now is how it is that we develop our souls and we um, develop our interior lives. Now, uh, if you were with us last week, uh, 
uh, we looked at Psalm 19. And uh, in our teaching team, this is what we, we said about Psalm 19. It's a Davidic psalm, which means it's a psalm of David. Scholars believe that uh, most likely David, king of Israel, uh, wrote that psalm. And uh, we use that psalm as an idea to, to help us understand uh, how people in the day of Jesus, or even before then, back in the time when David was writing this, how they viewed their relationship with God. And we learned, in fact, that uh, when, we, when we look at those psalms, they give us clues, if you will, how we can do the same thing. And we focused on three things I want to remind you of because I want to use that really as a springboard where I want to take us this morning. And if you're with us, when we looked at the Psalm 19, we first of all looked at it uh, and it's and what it teaches us about God's word. So we didn't begin with Psalm 19 verse 1. We began with Psalm 19 verse 7 where uh, David writes this. In essence, he says, the law of the Lord, the law of the Lord is perfect and it brings refreshing to the soul. And we, we learn together that, that we think of God's word as special revelation uh, or specific revelation. So God gives us an idea of who he is and who we are in him as a result of reading the word. That's why it's a good process and we focus in our church on on that. We try to make that very accessible for every one of us, whether you've been a Christ follower for a long time or whether you're just beginning the journey, we're saying there's an opportunity for us to learn how to open God's word and hear God's voice in God's word for ourselves. He will say specific things uh, to us. And then we zoomed out. That was the zoom in. Then we zoomed out, if you were with us, and we said um, the, the psalm begins actually uh, in uh, verses 1 through 6 uh, talking about creation. And it says this, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim God's handiwork. And we, we, we said that's general revelation or natural revelation. And so we learned a little bit about how God reveals himself uh, in creation. And then toward the end of that psalm, if you traveled with us, at the end of that psalm, we looked at verses 12 through 14, and David gets very specific, and he asks the question, I think not only of himself, but he asks the question in a way that we might want to ask of ourselves, who's going to be the one that's going to point out truth to our own lives? Who's the one that's going to show up uh, in our own lives and point us in ways uh, that are meaningful? I was thinking about this week, I was reading uh, some stuff uh, about the life of Bertrand Russell, who was uh, really, uh, in an earlier generation, really one of the the great atheists of the day, really. And, And Bertrand Russell said this, he said, unless you assume a God, the question of life's meaning, a purpose, is meaningless, and so, you know, there's, there comes this moment, really, where uh, David, at the end of the psalm, uh, I think is talking about personal revelation and how God reveals himself to us and says specific things to us. And that's where I want to take us uh, today. And I think about that, and we're going we're gonna to go over, if you're following with us, uh, this is sort of the idea and I think this is where a lot of us sort of stall out in our Christian experience. You know, God is revealing himself in nature, the Bible says. God is revealing himself in his word. But here's what I want you to think about with me this morning. 
God isn't just revealing himself in nature and revealing himself in his word. He wants to reveal himself to you in nature. And he wants to reveal himself to you in his word. In fact, I think of a, a, another psalm that scholars think David wrote. It's Psalm 16. And in Psalm 16, verse 11, David says this. Notice, he says, you make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So, so really, in essence, what I want us to think about this morning is how we understand that in a personal way. So that we don't just have some general ideas that we think about, but how does it come home to us personally? And this is really what we're driving at in this series. So we've tried to give uh, across the series, we've given some uh, interesting ideas. Week one, we teed the series up. Week two, we taught the idea of pausing. And we said, you know, what if we were to find some spaces in our lives where we pray the prayer we prayed earlier this uh, this morning. Lord, I give everyone and everything to you. And I, I was talking to somebody this week who said that they are, they're learning how to do that like we challenge. They pull in their driveway at the end of the day, and before they go in to the house, they just take a moment and say, Lord, you know, for all that has been in, in this day, for all what's going to happen now when I walk into my home, I, I want to give everyone and everything to you. So we, we talked about pause. Uh, in week two, we talked about the idea to slow down. Let me just see a picture or a hand. How many of y'all struggle, would be like me, and you struggle to slow down? Any, are there any people that struggle to slow down? My wife and I have kind of a little joke uh, in our family that, that there's really, in our neighborhood, y'all, there's only one way in and one way out. And uh, my wife has pointed out to me, because I have a tendency to go faster in almost every capacity than I should. I know that shocks everybody in the room. And my wife has pointed out to me that um, a lot of times when we're together and we're driving together, when we are uh, either pulling out of our neighborhood or pulling into our neighborhood, we find the one car that's going two miles an hour. And she said, you have, you have a specific gift of knowing when to pull in and out of the neighborhood that there's like there's this car in front of you. And she's convinced that, that the Lord is doing that to develop my character. She's convinced of that. And I ask her how I'm doing on my character. That's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other message. But I, I think that, that the Lord is really working on some of us to get us to slow down. I shared with us uh, out at the West Campus that in December... Uh, my mom, who lives in Stewart, many of y'all know my mother, she had some serious eye surgery. She came to live with us a few days. That's sort of the rhythm. Uh, and, and uh, you know, my brothers, we sort of share the responsibilities with our precious mom. And then whenever there's more stuff involved, we're just sort of suited, more suited, I guess. And, and so my mom comes and lives with us. I want to show you a picture. This is her in December. This is me and my mama uh, at our house. And so she had some serious eye surgery, and that involved a couple of trips up to Bascom Palmer. And some of you all know where Bascom Palmer is, right? I, my sense is you would know where that is. And when she got back to her house, um, it became really a rhythm of, I want to show you another picture, it became a rhythm really of that. And uh, all day, over and over and over again. And I, I told Beth later, I said, on the serious side, there's this whole subculture that is the medical world that most of us ignore until it knocks on our door, right? 
And then when it knocks on our door, sometimes when it forces its way into our lives, we're forced sometimes to slow down. And uh, I will tell you, I'm not so sure, to be honest, that the Lord is saying a lot to me with the car that goes slow. <laughs> but the Lord said a lot to me in that, in that space about learning how to slow down and learning how to uh, adjust to the rhythms of life that are right in front of us that are important. And so if you're with us, we, we talked about that. And then, of course, we talked about last week, we said, get outside. And uh, we challenged everybody. It was, it was great. We, if you were here, we said, we challenged everybody, when you leave the campus, uh, drive with your windows down to your next location. And all day long, uh, last Sunday, people were sending me pictures of all the stuff they were doing outside. And everywhere we went, people were doing it across the week. In fact, over the week, I told Beth, I could tell who goes to our church. Because if I go into a restaurant or I go in anywhere, everybody with windblown hair, I was like, man, they must go to our church. They're driving with the windows down. And so uh, this morning, what I want to do is I, wanna, I want us to take another step and today, I want us to really focus on what I'm calling unplug and focus. And uh, I want to read a passage of scripture uh, out of Hebrews chapter 12. And there are three verses that I think are incredible verses of scripture uh, that I think have the next sort of thing we need to understand as we're working to grow our souls So here's how the biblical writer lays it down. This is Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 3. And so the writer says this. He says, therefore, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Okay? Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down, he writes or she writes, at the hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you yourself will not grow weary and lose heart. And I think what I want to say this morning uh, is embedded within this challenge and this uh, teaching, I think, is an important concept if we're going to continue to grow our souls. Uh, If we're going to pause, if we're going to slow down, if we're going to get outside, there comes a moment again, I think, when we have to focus And we have to bring our focused attention onto the person and the work of Jesus. And this is the next step of how we grow our souls. And I was thinking about this. When you think about uh, these words in in the book of Hebrew, uh, this is what I know historically. We think they're written to bring comfort and conviction to Jewish believers that uh, Christianity is the fulfillment of Judaism and that Jesus is the true Messiah Uh, The author we know of this uh, book in the New Testament is unknown. Uh, Scholars don't believe that the author was one of the 12 disciples, and perhaps we think that um, the author 
maybe was a companion to some of the work that Timothy did. And that gives us kind of a a tighter list of maybe who the author is, whether it's Barnabas or Apollos or even Priscilla or maybe Luke. We know that it was written, we believe uh, these words written prior to AD 70 when the Romans seized Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. And at the heart of the letter is the purpose to carry the message to the early followers of Christ about persevering in their faith amidst hardship and persecution and pressure. There's a lot of connection, if you will, to you know, kind of what we're, we, we face now and what we're thinking about now. There's a, always a lot of, and I think it's always important as people who are learning how to read scripture that we understand what was being said to the original hearers. And then after we fully understand that, that we, we, we pull it into our own lives and our own context. And we think about that and there's some really important things that are going on. Um, you and I are living in, I think, we're living in an unprecedented time in hum, human history when things are passing by us at such an accelerated rate that, then we can miss out on what's important if we're not careful. It can just be gone. And so the, the writer is inviting us into you know, some of the underpinnings of our faith. Life moves fast, right? I remember this, I remembered a story this past week. Um, back in 2005, it's always been our rhythm. My wife is from Texas, the northern part of Texas. And so we kind of grew up with a natural rhythm when we had the girls that we would go every year out to Texas, we would drive out there. And it's like to her uh, parents' house, the farm where we'd go, it's like, you know, 1,800, almost 1,900 miles out there. And, and I always relished that time when, when, uh, when the girls were growing up because it was a time when we could all be together and we could be, um, we were uh, sort of uninterrupted. And so I had my family to myself. And I, I remember in 2005, I think it was, we had, we just, some, we had, we went home in a different time of the year out to Texas. And so it came to our typical summer vacation. We said, okay, let's just, let's do something different. And so we went to uh, we went to North Carolina and we made a, a, a trip to North Carolina and we were just kind of, we rented a place and we were just going to be up there together. And so um, whenever we, we go, we, we take all, you know, we try to do a little bit, you know, I don't know how you do your vacation. We try to do a little bit uh, of something that everyone likes. So being the only guy in the sorority, okay, uh, the girls like to window shop, they like to do that. And I've just developed an art of where, you know, I, I go with them and I'll sit down on a bench and I've got my Kindle or a book I'm reading and then they can go in and just do their thing. And so on one day I said, okay, let's try to do something different. And we saw a sign when we pulled into this town and it said, um, there's a white, like there's a, a inner tube down a river experience. And I said, oh, that, that looks good. Let's do that. You guys have done all the shopping. And so now I get to pick a day. We're going to go do this. So we we go down to this place, and we're going we're gonna to tube this river. Of course, we've never been there. This is a brand-new tubing place. We're going we're gonna to do this thing. And I, I should have known this was going to be a weird experience when, when they had me sign, like, if you get lost on the river, you know, like, it's not our fault, you know, kind of a thing. I, that should have been a cue to me right there, but it wasn't. And so we got on this inner tube, and I remember helping the girls into the water and Haley went first, and then if, if I, my memory serves me right, Beth went next, and then I turned around to get Shelly, and when I turned back around, Haley and Beth were gone. Like, they were, like, gone. They were, like, I never saw them anymore. I never saw them the whole rest of the trip. And Shelly, who was little, she's like, Mommy! 
And so I got Shelly into her tube and I jumped in and she, she's holding me and we went down the river and it was one of the scariest things we've ever done in our lives. And uh, I kid you not, we, ne- we never saw uh, Haley and mom again. In fact, at one point I was actually was getting nervous. I didn't want Shelly to know I was nervous. And all of a sudden this little flip-flop floated by and it was Beth's shoe. I'm, I'm not even making this up. And I remember Shelly goes, look, it's mommy's shoe. And I lied. I told her, that's not her shoe. It just looks like her shoe. You know? And I thought, my gosh, are, like, are we ever going to see them again? And when I, when I, you know, we got through with that, and, and my girls made me promise we would never, ever do something like that ever again. And so we've only shopped when we go on vacation ever since then. But I think our world is going that fast. And one of, one, of I, one of the callings, I think, for followers of Jesus in the midst of a culture that is just moving so fast, right, is to learn how to focus and anchor ourselves on the person and work of Jesus Christ. And we need it. We need it. And this verse of Scripture, I think, gives some incredible cues about how to do this. The author begins and he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, let me give you a little quick thing to understand, and maybe some of you all know it. Whenever we see the word therefore in the Bible, we have to stop and learn what it's there for. And usually when a writer uses the word therefore, the writer is connecting what he or she is about to say with what he or she has already just said. And if you look at Hebrews 11, you have all these stories of these great men and women of the faith, the heroes of the faith. And the writer's calling out all these heroes to us, and then we get to chapter 12, verse 1, and then the writer says, therefore, like therefore, since you have all these heroes... And these are the great cloud of witnesses. And it reminds us, I think, of the communal nature of the church. At at its essence, the Christian experience is not an isolated endeavor. At its very heart, it's communal. It it has fellowship in nature. We, We do the journey, we do the deal together. One of the real privileges, I think, anytime I'm over here is I, I, I see people still yet here who spoke into my life as a follower of Jesus when I was just beginning. And, and there's such a sense of community. And we all long for that in our world. And I want to tell you, it's important to long for that in your faith too. It's important to have a group of people around you that you're just sort of saying, let's go the distance. You want, to, you want to do this thing? You want to do it real? You want to go the distance? Some of y'all know I've been in a covenant group with six other pastors. This year, I believe if I'm counting right, marks our 32nd year of doing life and ministry together. These are outside of my wife. These are the people that know me best and love me anyway. And in fact, I have a picture. Here we were at our last gathering. There we are. <laughs> that's, that's me with a cane right there. No. We're just getting so old together, but there's this sense of doing life together. He says, you know, 
And the writer says, we're surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses. And I think this is really such an important thing. The writer is speaking to having a faith that is so developed in, in so many ways. You're doing it with other people. They've, they've handed it off to you. You've handed it off to them. One, one biblical scholar I was looking at this week said that they think the author is, is writing about the, the, the early adaptation to the Olympic Games called the Isthmian Games. And this whole idea of the transference of faith down the line. And how important it is. But then the writer goes on, and I just want to point out just a few things here this morning. The writer goes on and says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. And, and, and the author begins to step into you and I developing a kind of faith that would challenge the assumption that we would just welcome every single thing into our lives without carefully examining the costs associated with it. And what I find that's so challenging, I think, to me, is that the author is, is, is not necessarily calling it sin yet. He, the, the, the writer, he or she, is just saying, we should be willing to cast off anything that hinders or slows us down. It's the less than stuff. I remember when uh, we were planting our church and I was trying to grow my own leadership. I remember reading a book called Good to Great uh, by Jim Collins. And Jim Collins, who's a Harvard researcher, was studying different uh, organizations, different companies, and why some companies just prevailed over other companies and how they built systemic systems that just went on and on and reproduced and recreated and this sort of thing and these really incredible organizations. And, and, and he distilled, one of the values he, he distilled is what he called the evidence that sometimes we sacrifice great for good. And, 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 and there are things in our lives that we would say these might even be good things, but they're not the greatest things that will get us toward our goals. And how do we move, move forward in a way that really makes that possible for us? And kind of begs the question, I think, what is it right now in our lives that hinders our ability to focus on Jesus? You ever thought about that? Right now, if you were to take the next step in the development of your faith, what is standing in the way of that? The writer says, throw off everything, everything that would hinder or slow that down. I, I, I was thinking about that, and Pastor Trevor and I were talking this week. I, I think for a lot of us, it's our devices. And by that, I mean like our cell phones and our computers and all of that stuff. I think uh, this is an interesting thing. Uh, my phone, for example, thinking about this, if that's what hinders us, my phone is a, my music library, my stereo, my photo album, my professional camera, my Bible, my pastoral theological library, my current book I'm reading. It's my coffee shop, my radio, my file cabinet, my mailbox, my notepad, my work memos, my calendar, my map, my meteorologist, my bank, my church worship folder, my giving envelope, my clock, my television, my flashlight, and it's my phone. 
That's a lot. The writer John Eldridge says it this way. He goes, down through the ages, he says, followers of Christ have believed that to be able to give God our full attention uh, as a regular practice was important. And yet today, he writes, I don't think we realize how much the use of our technology and its assault on our attention has made this so difficult to do. He said, you can't give God your attention when your attention is constantly being targeted and taken captive and you're the one cooperating with it. In December, uh, Beth and I watched a show on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. If you have Netflix, I commend it to you. And it was just how our devices have been created to become addictive appendages to our lives. To be honest with you all, it was kind of scary to watch it. And, and so, you know, the question really in the room is this, like what is prohibiting you from taking your next step in your development and your walk with Christ? And the writer says, you know, we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. Let us set aside everything that slows us down. And then the writer says, let us also set aside the sin which so easily entangles us. And I talked to so many people who have been lured away from their important commitments, their important relationships by what they do on their phone. This is real stuff. And so over this series, we've been talking about, you know, if we're going to grow our souls, I think we got to pause. If we're going to grow our souls, we have to slow down. If we're going to grow our souls, we hearken back to the wisdom of King David and we have to get outside. And then I think we have to unplug and we have to focus on the person and work of Jesus. Are you doing that? Would you do it now? Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for the opportunity that we have uh, to know, God, that when that, whatever we clear off out of our own schedules, out of our own lives and focus on you, that we have the promise, God, that you will meet us there. And so, Lord, in these final moments in this service, would you, would you just use this space to talk to every one of us in this room about what it is we need to be willing to do so that we may grow our souls. For we pray in the name of Christ, who is our Lord. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand, and the last song that we sang is such a beautiful, it's really like a prayer. So I've asked the team to come up, and they're going to lead us. We're just going to close our service out before those of you that can join us in the fellowship hall. Um, we're going to sing that song. Make it your prayer and ask God to reveal to you how it is you grow your own soul. Guys, will you lead us? So I want to remind everybody as we close, obviously we say this every weekend, if you're looking to take a next step in your relationship with Jesus, maybe 
You've never invited him to forgive your sins and be your personal Lord and Savior. If you would text yes to the number or next to the number on the screen, we would love to help you do that. Here's here's the assignment. We're trying to give an assignment uh, each week in this series. So last week, leave the campus, drive with your windows down. Here's the assignment this week. I want you to talk as a family and be willing to share out of your own personal life where you might create in your schedule or in your day what we're calling a device-free zone. So it might be for a couple hours, might be around meals, it might be, I want us to have some intelligent conversation about how we could be less connected to our devices and more focused on one another and more focused on the Lord. And you can let us know what you're doing. You can uh, email us at info at Community of Hope. We'd like to hear what you've created about that space to begin to take those steps together. Good? Good? All right. Let's, let's receive this benediction. God, would you give us a sense of your presence as we leave this place? May we go with a deeper awareness of your love for us, your love for the world, and that you are saying things to us, God, that are meaningful and that are eternal in consequence. Give us the courage and the responsibility to step towards you as we leave in your peace for we pray in the name of Christ and everyone said amen go in his peace we'll see you next weekend